This podcast is produced by the Center for Deployment Psychology at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. In addition, references to any specific companies, products, processes, or services does not necessarily constitute or imply endorsement by the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Welcome to CDP's podcast, Practical for Your Practice. We give you actionable intel to support what you do. One colleague to another. Welcome to Practical for Your Practice. I am Jenna Ermold, one of your hosts, joined by Kevin Holloway. Welcome Hi, everybody. Kevin. Thank Kevin. you. And we have Andy Santinella, too, our other host. So we're all three of us together today. Welcome, Andy. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's been a while since it's been all three of us. Yeah, yeah it has been. Nice to get the band back together. That's well, right. and the, the band's come back together today. Um, you know, it's kind of Andy's fault. No, it's Andy's. Uh, it was, <laughs> one of Andy's ideas. Uh, sometimes we sit around and we we talk about what might be great fodder for the podcast. And, um, you know, Andy's kind of like our, our interviewee today in some ways, although Kevin and I obviously have some experiences too. But... What um, today we're going to talk about spirituality and uh, within the context of providing clinical care. And and Andy, this was an idea that that you proposed. And I wonder if you could share with our listeners a little bit about why that came up for you and, and what's your um, interest in this area, maybe your experiences. Yeah, it, it was a topic that I was thinking about, and it's one that's a bit near and dear to my heart for a couple of reasons. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I thought it'd be a good topic for us to talk about is because it's kind of taboo a little bit. Um, right. and it's, we and like at the same, exactly. <laughs> we do. Um, we were going to name this podcast, podcast taboo for your practice, but the, the alliteration <laughs> just wasn't there. Um, so, and it's also, I think a really important, uh, topic for therapists to be open to chatting about with, with their clients. Um, I know that uh, it's probably not going to be any surprise to anybody hearing this, but I am uh, partial to acceptance and commitment therapy and, you know, values are a huge part of that. And I think for mm-hmm. a lot of folks who do have spirituality and religion as part of their life, you know, values related to their spirituality slash religion could be really important to discuss. So I think at least practically speaking, therapists ought to be um, open to having those topics be in the, uh, in the room. And I guess the other reason that I am particularly interested in this topic is, uh, and this is not something I don't think I've talked about on the podcast before, uh, but Zen Buddhism is a really big part of my life, um, has been for a really long time. In addition to my role as a psychologist um, in my personal life, I'm actually a lineage teacher in the White Plum Asanga. So I'm a sensei um, in, in Zen Buddhism as well. And so I do a lot of meeting with students and talking about existential issues. And uh, there there actually are a fair amount of clients who come to work with me in therapy uh, who do also come from a, a background of Zen Buddhism and are interested in working with someone who is able to kind of be in both worlds. So more often than not, um, you know, Zen, Zen stuff, spirituality stuff tends to come up in, in therapy sessions. And it, that, sorry. Go ahead. That, that's really, first of all, I think that's super cool, Andy, and I, I'm always amazed by you. Um, but it, you know, the word spirituality, and we, we already talked about it being taboo, 
it really covers a lot of ground. I mean, there's there's a lot of so different much. meanings behind what is spirituality. Um, what do we even mean by spirituality? And I wonder if anybody has thoughts about that, because I think sometimes like Zen Buddhism really fits with spirituality. But what else fits in that uh, in that label, if you will? I think that's a really good question. And I think that answer to that question is going to be different for, for everyone. I know it's a little bit of a cop out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, the, even just the idea of spirituality, I think is the, the term there is a little bit almost too specific because there are non-theistic religions. Like for example, Zen Zen is non-theistic. It's not atheistic. And I also think atheists, people who, you know, don't, ascribe to um, or believe in sort of a spiritual world or spiritual beings also have, you know, a sense of guiding principles that we might lump under spirituality. So, I mean, one of the working definitions I use um, is really one's kind of philosophy of life and also maybe a sense of connection with something that is bigger than themselves. Um, Whereas religion might be more of a specific um, group that you participate in, rituals that you participate in, um, set of guidelines and beliefs maybe you ascribe to. And so, I mean, that's that's kind of how the, I, I look at those things that might um, that have some similarities and overlap, maybe might be a little bit different. I really like that because I think it, it it is inclusive of a lot more things. You know, I think sometimes when, when the word spirituality gets thrown out there, we, we often do default to religion or sect or, you know, particular, I I don't know, not, not even like denomination. We're talking about like, you know, so many different types of belief, um, that are all valid and, and, and can be very important, very central to any of our clients' lives. So I love that you included, you know, as white as non-theistic and atheistic and, and other, um, approaches, I guess, or, or dimensions of spirituality there. I think, um, there is definitely a tendency for providers to shy away from, as you said, shy away from discussions about this. Um, mm. Why, why do you see this as a really critical element to address in the therapeutic relationship or how, how can it um, really enhance or be an important part to assess or, or talk about um, in the context of providing therapy? Well, so like there's a couple of things in there that you asked about that I think are really important. And one of them, I'll just sort of name it and maybe we can come back to it in a minute is just why might providers be a little bit reluctant Mm -hmm. to sort of even go there? Um, The second part of the question, though, why is it important? I think it's a good one to chat about. It's important because it's going to be important, really important to some of your clients. So, you know, I think if you're saying no, to, to, to going there and talking about these things with your clients, it's going to get in the way of you connecting with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just one of the things we need to keep in mind when, when we're working with clients and this is a part of their life, um, you know, it may be really relevant to bring that in. I think the other really important reason having some level of comfort and, you know, competence and expertise, maybe expertise is too strong of a word, but, you know, comfort and competence in talking about spirituality in the course of psychotherapy is because it's so much, it's so so tied to existential issues. 
you know, issues of life and death and meaning of life. And I think, you know, working with service members, especially if you're going to be working with folks who maybe have, you know, experienced life and death situations or dealing with trauma related disorders, this is going to come up. Um, and so, you know, specific, like, for example, if you're working with someone and they're recovering from trauma and they're grappling with what does my life mean now that I've been through this and seen, seen these things, you're going to, you're going to bump up against some existential issues. So I think when you're talking about spirituality, often those existential issues are, are tied, tied to it. I think in some ways, and I hope this doesn't sound like a, a throwaway way to look at it either or a, or a cop out, but it seems to me like one of the most important reasons is because it's important it, it, when it's important to your client. Like, you know, there may be some of our clients too that are like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to go there. That's not my thing. And that's fine too. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, especially for clients where that's an important part of their worldview, how they see themselves, how they see their connection with other people and the experiences they're having and the symptoms they're um, dealing with. Like, it, it seems like it would be kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but you know, kind of, kind of cutting off a whole segment of very f- fertile discussion relative to their experience by you know, assuming we, we shouldn't go there. And it, exactly. Well, and, it, and so it kind of reminds me of, of something when you first started, when we first started this episode, you, you talked a lot about your spirituality and your background there too. Um, and I wonder, you know, there are times I think I've, I've certainly met uh, clinicians that that's central to how they introduce themselves to their clients. And, you know, it's a big part of their identity as well. And there's certainly other clinicians that, that don't go there at all. I um, mean, perhaps this is re- related to that question about why, why clinicians, therapists may not want to go there, but I, I wonder if you all, if all of us have, you know, different thoughts on when is it appropriate to disclose, you know, like, or how much is appropriate to disclose about our own background or our own spirituality in the clinical relationship? Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head right there with one of the the sort of key questions here, which is, it, it does revolve around disclosure, spirituality and religion are inherently intimate and really personal issues, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So I mean, one of the things that I, um, and I'm not saying this is a rule for people to follow. I I think everyone needs to make this kind of choice themselves. But one of the things that I am pretty explicit about in, um, you know, on my, my, my website for my private practice and, you know, places where I, uh, you know, make myself known in the public for the client to come find me to do therapy is that I mentioned on there that I'm, you know, uh, I have a Buddhist background. Um, I actually talk a lot about how I, how that may or may not be a part of therapy, depending on what the client wants. But I think the main issue here is if you're going to disclose maybe a good rule of thumb around self-disclosure is you want to make sure it's in the service of supporting the client. So, you know, if, um, I'll often get this question, especially for people who are looking for a, uh, a Zen therapist. So there aren't a whole lot of Zen act therapists out there, by the way. <laughs> Which it seems strange. They seem like to fit really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe there are. I don't know like many of them, but you know, so I'll get the question. How do you, you know, how do you work Zen into your therapy? And I will, the answer I always give is, gives is, uh, you know, it really sort of depends on um, how relevant that is for you. You know, so if, if you're, if you want to talk about like the, the precepts, like the Zen, Zen ethical principles, um, and that's relevant to you, we can talk about that. Um, you know, if, 
if uh, you have a meditation practice and that's part of, you know, what you're trying to incorporate into your therapy and you think that'd be useful, we can do that. And also we may never talk about it. It really has to do with what's most important to you. But I just want to, one of the things I do up front is, you know, as best as I can, is just let people know that I'm very comfortable talking about those issues if they are things that the client needs to talk about. I think the flip side too is when to know when you're out of your depths. Like mm. if somebody, if this is a really important part of someone, you know, we we talk about intersectionality and all those sort of components of of what make up that person. And let's say there is um, you know, they they uh, religion, their religion is really important to them. And it's not one you've been exposed to or have a lot of um, you know, you can obviously talk about their beliefs and spirituality and how that shape the, the lens that they look through at you in the world and the treatment and what's going on for them. But sometimes, you know, knowing when to help them access, um, you know, people from that community that might mm -hmm. actually be in a better place to have those conversations. Um, I always get concerned sometimes, like we have to be all knowing about all things, you know, mm -hmm. right. all disorders, all approaches, all, and that that's just impossible. And so I think sometimes it's just, you know, are we supporting them to reconnect with a, a spiritual leader um, that's going to be able to help them a little more effectively than we might on this side. And, um, you know, kind of, how do you, how do you coordinate collaborate there too? I mean, it's not really a question. It's more of a comment. Like it's okay sometimes to call in. <laughs> I would imagine, you know, in, in my, in my world, like, you know, when I'm not currently um, in practice, but, you know, I remember really leaning on chaplains sometimes mm -hmm. when, when they could provide parts of, of the, of the person's care that really um, I wasn't as well positioned to do. And I think it's kind of having open conversations about that too, offering a space to be able to let your client talk about the meaning of their spirituality and, and potentially their religion. I'm not equating the two, but, but so for some people, that's the vehicle for spirituality, right? Yeah. Um, and it's okay to be the facilitator of that as well, while you're also making sure you're incorporating and valuing um, those belief systems or um, wishes of your client, perhaps. I, well, I love the idea of uh, cultivating relationships with chaplains. So there's, you know, uh, first of all, you know, if you have access to a chaplain, they are really amazing people to talk, talk to some of the, my most favorite conversations that I've had around helping other human beings have been with chaplains. I remember, um, it was several years ago now, and I was doing a cognitive processing therapy training at one of the local hospitals in Maryland. And I didn't realize this, but it was, um, it was actually requested by their chaplain service. And what they were seeing is a lot of the folks who had serious mental illness, psychotic disorders, um, who were court mandated for treatment. Basically, that was sort of their, their sentence. As they became medicated, they started to experience a lot of moral injury because they had, uh, you know, done violent things, for example, while they were experiencing really extreme psychotic symptoms. And we had a really fascinating discussion about the intersection between trauma, uh, mental illness and spirituality. Um, and what it means to be a good person, having done maybe some some things that uh, in, in another state of mind you would not normally do. So, first of all, if you have access to have discussions with a chaplain, please do. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, I think when there are uh, religions that you are not as 
maybe that are different from yours and, and you don't necessarily know the ins and outs of it. You're not, you don't have expertise in those areas when there's really sort of nuanced questions about the intersection between spirituality, religion, and mental health. I mean, those are great times to consult. Uh, I remember, you know, working um, when I was in graduate school at a, at a, uh, an anxiety disorder clinic. And we specialized at that clinic in OCD. And we, we got a fair amount of folks from the uh, Orthodox Jewish community. And one of the, you know, flavors of OCD is scrupulosity, sort of religious focused emotions. So we did a lot of consultation with, uh, you know, local Jewish communities and had, um, some rabbi rabbis on speed dial, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, talk through some things. So, yeah, I mean, I think this doesn't have to be something that you should, uh, tackle alone. It's great to always consult. So I, I pulled my thoughts together and in some ways the, the discussion right now has been a bit of an answer to a question that I've had, but maybe, maybe I can modify it then based on the discussion so far. So my original question was going to be, you know, I, I've certainly met clinicians that feel like if, if there's not some kind of overlap between their faith tradition and their client's faith tradition, then talking about spirituality perhaps needs to be you know, a, a less important thing, you know, so kind of this question of how much does that need to match? Do you need to be of the same general or, or even more specific faith tradition as somebody else? But perhaps maybe my modified question then for, for all of us is what, what are maybe perhaps some of the pros and cons of when there is, you know, a, a spirituality somewhat match between therapist and client and maybe some pros and cons of when there's a mismatch. Maybe mismatch is the wrong word, but not not as much overlap, perhaps. I, I love that question. Uh, a story. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I've had the opportunity to work with, uh, you know, different folks from different religions uh, throughout my career. And I'm, you know, um, there's a one particular client I'm thinking of who very, very different religious background than, than mine. And, uh, you know, we, we're the, both of us really upfront about how we come from very different places. And one of the, the cool things about the relationship with that person is, uh, because, you know, there was a comfort level between us and we kind of put spirituality on the table is we got to sort of geek out and sort of compare and contrast different approaches and philosophies, mm. um, in the service of, and it was really, it was really fun because it was very, he's this person said it was helpful to them because they could really sort, sort of clarify for themselves and more of, you know, get a fine tuned understanding of their own spirituality by like comparing it with maybe some differences. Yeah. Um, so I think in some situations that can be really useful. I think, you know, obviously if you're working with someone and those differences are really um, maybe uh, so big that it's hard to sort of, get to that geeking out place, then, you know, you might decide that collaboratively with your client that you'll touch on those things generally, but maybe some of the questions that they're struggling with, you know, spiritually might be better outsourced and talked with someone who uh, has maybe the expertise, maybe a leader, like a teacher, a a leader or something in their community. You know, I've had the opportunity to work in in various different clinical contexts too. And some of them, it have been in a way it made it really easy to work with clients who are of a similar spiritual background to mine. So, um, 
So I, I come from a very relatively conservative, relatively, I guess you could call it high demand religion background. Um, and, and it's interesting. There were times working with clients who had a similar spiritual background that there was almost like an assumption of things they didn't have to say that, you know, that there was an understanding and, and there, there were times where that was good, but there were also times where that was actually a problem where I think, you know, they, they kind of assumed I was on the same page with them about certain things. Um, and, and I would have to kind of pull back and say, well, let's talk about that. What do, what do you mean by that? And actually in many ways, take some of the implicit conversation going on and making it explicit. And I found it both to be you know, a barrier at times because they would assume we're all thinking the same thing, but also a positive at times for that process of, you know, well, let's, let's really drag this out. Let's kind of you know, open this up and talk about it and see what is, what is similar there or, you know, what is it do you actually mean by that with that you're assuming? I think I'm thinking in the same way. So, you know, both if, if, if I wasn't paying attention as well as I, I could have and, and missed at times where it seemed like they were making some assumptions that we were agreeing or, or assuming the same thing, um, that could have been an issue. And, and then there were other times where I felt it was really powerful to kind of pull it out and take it apart and talk about it and, and really make it explicit as we were going through. It always, I mean, you know, I always will go back to military culture, but I, I think it's so similar to, um, you know, just because I was in the air force and, and if I have a client who's in the air force sitting across from me, it doesn't mean that we, you know, come from, you know, our views are exactly the same. Our experiences are the same. And there's so much that shapes that worldview. So I think that's, you know, we're going to shift to some actionable intel shortly, but I, mean, I think this is an area where ask, don't assume is really yeah. important yeah. Um, because their specific personal experience in their spiritual domain is what we need to kind of allow space to, to understand and talk about um, and, and not make assumptions and really be aware of any assumptions they're making about us as well. Andy, we never really hit before we move on to actionable intel. Is there any other content you wanted to make sure we talked about in terms of why don't why don't providers go there or um, what yeah. are some barriers to doing a better assessment of this really important, potentially important part of of the human in front of you? I, I think, you know, in addition to the things that we have already kind of said, um, I think, you know, providers may also be struggling with and uncertain about their own spirituality and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where they are. And I mean, so, you know, that, that certainly, if, if you're not feeling sort of grounded and sort of, um, I don't, not sure, sure, not, not sure is not the right word, but like, uh, spiritually unstable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. In flux. Yeah. Or, or if, or if, you know, um, spirituality and religion just doesn't play a huge part in your life for whatever reason, um, you know, that, that could also be sort of like, if you don't feel like you've got it all together there, then maybe you shouldn't talk about it with your clients. Um, so, you know, I, I think one thing maybe to, to sort of think about and clarify, just like everything else is if, um, if you are uncomfortable with the topic, then, you know, doing some self-examination and seeing if, if part of that might be you haven't clarified for yourself what role spirituality slash religion might play in your life. Um, and if you have clarified it, but feel uh, like maybe that's not okay, or you should have a different view, maybe just working on owning it and accepting that's just sort of where you are. Uh, I think it's 
perfectly reasonable to work with someone who is really spiritual and religious, religious and therapy and have these conversations mm-hmm. while also owning maybe the fact that you aren't, for example. Um, but owning it, I think is really important. I love what you said about, you know, kind of, you know, very often, maybe it's the, the, the therapist, the, the counselor who is maybe unsettled in where they're at. And so I, I have a bit of an ethics question, maybe for the both of you, I'd be very interested in your thoughts on this. Um, you know, Andy, you, you said at the beginning that, that you, you make no secret about um, your Zen Buddhist, uh, back, I guess, background tradition where you're at right now. And, and at times that, you know, in some ways, it sounds like it might attract a certain portion of your clientele because they feel like a connection there or that there's some common ground there. And they feel like uh, maybe in, in that context to be understood, even at a deeper level. Um, and so I'll, I'll disclose here. I, I'm a little bit in one of those unstable or influx, you know, kind of in transition um, phases of life, kind of in a spiritual or, or faith transition. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I have at times too, not explicitly said, Hey, if you're of my similar spiritual you know, background, you should come see me, but have made no secret about what that background is. And so as I find myself a little bit in a transition, I wonder, you know, where's, where's the ethical point that I should be disclosing this to clients who perhaps came with the expectation that I'm, you know, of a, a similar spiritual background to them. And we, we do share the background and the lingo, the vocabulary, right? The whole kind of the, the structural thing. Like I, I, I understand that at a pretty good level. And, you know, so, so there's that we can, we can speak at that level, but at the same time too, like how much, how much do they deserve to know where I'm at as far as, you know, my own spirituality? I love that question. That's a doozy, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. No, just we're getting deep into the episode. Huh? Well, and that's, these are the types of things that come up when you get into this area. And I think this is like another kind of reason maybe some clinicians might be a little wary to go there. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, so, uh, you know, first of all, Kevin, um, transitions like this, I, I know, like when I've been through them can be uh, really hard. And also yeah. really sort of, you know, um, vital and interesting. And so I'm glad that you put that on the table. And I think my answer Thank to you. your question specifically is, you know, do you think uh, clients who are going through something similar might benefit from knowing that they aren't the only person on earth who's going through something like That's that? A great you know? question. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of clients in particular. So I have a small private practice as well. And, you know, I can think of a couple of clients who are having a similar, well, not not exactly the same, but, you know, kind of a, they're in also a transition phase. And we have talked about that really briefly. I find myself and maybe this is what some of our listeners who have found themselves in similar situations feel as well. Like I, I find myself like I, I want to disclose to support them. But I also get really kind of iffy, like, okay, at what point does it become about me? Like, I don't want the therapy yeah. to become about right. me. Right. I want it to be about them. And so that, you know, figuring out where that threshold is can be a little weird sometimes. I, and I, I feel like spirituality is something that does for most people, wax and wane is the wrong phrase but you know there there are times where you feel really intensely spiritual and then times where you feel more distant from it and i don't i don't really know if there's many people out there in the world who 
don't have that experience, right? That that mm-hmm. there are situations in life or, you know, certain ages or things that you're going through that bring you closer or challenge that aspect of, of who you are and how you see the world. So I think setting forth that is an expectation. It makes sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. we as humans all can have this experience of, of this being more, you know, more important, less important. We feel closer and more connected and farther apart. And my job is to figure out where you are and where you want to be um, and in that journey. And I think we don't have to necessarily disclose exactly because like you said, Kevin, I do think it's how it's, it, it can be comforting and helpful for people to, and again, I'm going back to the military. This is sometimes why, <laughs> yep. you know, service members will say, I want to see somebody who already understands my world and my language. And, and um, I, we don't have to have the exact same views on the military for me to help you, but, but you don't have to explain every aspect of it to me the way you might right. somebody else. And I think that's very similar with uh, spirituality as well. I don't want to spend my time explaining to you where I am in my spiritual realm. I want you to kind of, if there's some shortcuts that I can get to more important stuff, because you understand the language, um, there, there's maybe that sense. So, I mean, that was a, a non-answer to your question, but I think <laughs> you, we don't have to disclose exactly where we are personally, because then it does, I think, become about us, but we can normalize that it's it makes sense that that there is, you know, that experience is is very human and crosses all sorts of religious domains and, you know, spiritual experiences and that's okay. But, you know, my focus is you and where you are and where you want to be maybe. I really like that for a couple of reasons. I think the metaphor works well because, you know, I think all of us here have probably seen clients too that are, are service members or veterans. And, like, and I don't want to see somebody who is in the military because of maybe fears about being judged by a, a perceived you know, a, a set of metrics, if you will, uh, you know, of what makes a good service member or a veteran. Um, and similarly, I, I can also um, think of a few clients that are like, okay, but I, I don't want to see somebody who's similar to me because then I would feel like I have to somehow measure up. I'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically of myself, like, you know, I've been in, in counseling before with a, a, cl- a counselor who um, actually had, you know, was kind of of the same faith, faith, uh, background as I was had trend, you know, had gone through a faith transition themselves a few years before. And it was in some ways, it was kind of nice to be like, Oh, not only can we share the vocabulary, but I also don't have to feel like there's going to be like, really, that's what you're dealing with, you know? <laughs> and so that was, yeah, it was, it was kind of like best of both worlds. Um, and she didn't, you know, she was fantastic. She didn't go into, you know, a huge depth of her background to the point where I was like, wait, is this about me or you anymore? It was very, it was really appropriate, but also really supportive and and comforting knowing that we had, we could share this communication and there wasn't, you know, any, any external judgment going on. Not that I would expect, you know, a a therapist, you know, a good therapist, good counselor to do that anyway. But, but I've kind of had that experience of feeling like that's, that was, this was the right mix, if you will. You know, the, the line between, you know, ethical disclosure and non maybe like borderline non-ethical around this issue might be something like client says, you know, I'm going through this difficult uh, transition period. You might say something like, I can, I can appreciate where you're coming from. I've, I've certainly been through that and things like that in my life versus 
I'm going through this thing right now. I'm glad you said that because I'm going through this right. thing right now. And I, I wanted to ask your opinion about it. And like, yeah. it, right, right. you know, one, one is normalizing and supporting the client and letting them know this is like a safe place to talk about this. And they're speaking to another human being who kind of gets yeah. maybe that, that space a bit. And the other is, uh, you know, clearly, you know, Hey, Oh, here's an opportunity for me to talk about something I'm struggling with, with my client. Let me go there. You know, I mean, yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for indulging me on my ethics question. I think that's one yeah, that's no, in my really, head. And I think a, a lot one. of people do, you know, yeah. yeah. Clearly hit all of us. So yeah, <laughs> it's relevant. Um, just being aware of, of we, I, I have a feeling this is one of those episodes that we could, we could do for hours, but so oh, yeah. uh, being aware of the time, I did want to shift us a little bit to actionable Intel, which of course is, uh, you know, what are some concrete, maybe, um, practical tips or things that providers can do to think about this, you know, aspect of the care they give or, you know, ways to grow in this area. Um, and Andy wondered if you had any actionable Intel and I think resources, um, you know, again, we, we often get great questions. You know, we have a lot of interview questions about all sorts of things. And sometimes, you know, I wonder if there is a good, guide or, you know, anything we can link to that, that has some good to ask questions when it comes to spirituality. And I might be setting you up and there might not be, but, um, I'm going to include in the, before I turn it over for actual Intel, I'm the, um, mental health and chaplaincy through the VA ha has a program where they really try to integrate those two things. Um, I'm going to link some nice videos about why bridging that gap is important and some, um, content about that program. Cause I think that can be a great resource. Yeah. Um, in general, but what, what can providers do to shore up this part of their, their practice, Andy? I think uh, one thing that's pretty easy thing to do is um, to start, you know, including maybe a question in your intake process about mm -hmm. spirituality, you know, and, and a, a really nice place, I think, to put it would be when you're talking about how a person takes care of their, their health. So, you know, um, Usually we, we focus on physical health, but also, you know, we talk about psychological health. Well, spiritual health could be part of it too. Another place could be when you're asking people about the important relationships in their life or things they do outside of work, just slipping in there. Um, you know, how, how important is spirituality to you? How important is religion to you? Might yeah. be a, just a nice way of doing some assessment, but also letting your client know that this is an area that, you know, you're, you're, um, you're willing to, to chat with them about. So I think that's one really uh, useful and, and easy thing for folks to do. Well, I just said that I was going to throw that in there if it didn't come up. So I, I, that feels very validating that we're on a similar page there. Um, I was just going to say another one would be curiosity, you know, so I think mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to be talking with somebody about their spirituality, especially if they're anticipating maybe uh, judgment or misunderstanding is if you can come into that conversation really curious, I think it's going to go better. And, uh, you know, if, if you, if you do find that you're a bit out of your depth, um, being able to come to that discussion from a place of curiosity and, you know, honesty and being able to let your client know what, um, you know, your level of competence is in that situation and talking about their, their particular concerns, I think is going to be really important. So also, you know, making sure that, uh, you're able to be upfront with them about what it is that you think you're able to help them with and when, when it might be best for them to seek out and then maybe facilitate them seeking out 
someone from the religious community um, to answer some of the questions they might have. I love that. I love the, especially the curiosity there. I think like Jenna mentioned earlier, when we talk about military culture, one of the things we hammer home all the time is don't you know, ask, don't assume um, that it's okay not to be an expert on all things military culture. And I think in some ways, you know, it's another way that, that these are parallel things that when it comes to spirituality, it's really okay not to be an expert on all things spirituality and, and that it's okay to ask questions. I, I, some of the best experiences I've had is when I've asked clients to kind of teach me a little bit, inform me a little bit, tell me more about what that means to you and, and how you understand that. Um, and, and I don't, at least in my experience, clients haven't been offended by that. They like to, you know, they, they like to be able to talk a little bit more about how they see that, how they see themselves and spirituality and, and how they're connected to that. Um, rather than me making assumptions anyway. So, you know, I, I think we write along with that curiosity, you know, to feel free, make it okay to ask, don't assume. I guess maybe one, one last thing I would mention, and I, Jenna rem, reminded me, I mentioned this earlier is, you know, consultation is really important. Mm -hmm. So if you do have access to, if you're working in a military setting and you do have access to military chaplains, you know, ask them out for coffee. Uh, you know, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to have a really great conversation with somebody who uh, is going to probably be more comfortable talking about meaning of life issues than the, the ordinary bear. Um, and, you know, so you may um, find also that that person is a really good resource for you and your clients going forward. Um, and, and at least know, a great conversation. Yeah. And at least a great conversation. Always good to have new contacts. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would encourage folks to think about that in their communities too. Um, you know, don't don't wait until you're in a crisis and need it. Try and figure out what could be some great resources that you could build relationships with, uh, so that if you you know, need to consult, you can. Well, I certainly enjoyed our fabulous conversation. I think those are all wonderful ideas in terms of actionable intel. If we think of any great links, we'll make sure to add them in the show notes. Uh, so thank you for sitting down today, Andy and Kevin. And yeah, of course. Um, inviting in a conversation about spirituality into practical for your practice podcast. And we hope you all enjoyed listening and that you'll circle back for our next, po next podcast. But for today, we'll just say thanks for joining us. Thanks everybody. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to practical for your practice. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and join in on the conversation in the comments until next time.